Hi, welcome back for another week. As we begin, Perek Vav, our learning is dedicated to Lila Nishma Rivka, Bat Yaakov Alevi, Lucy Mai, and Rina D, our full year sponsors, Naomi Nitzi Hallander, a complete refuel for all Cholim, Michelle and Gary Friedman, in memory of Chana Malka, Bat David, and refuel Shlema for Rachel Merrill Hinda, Bat, Chana, Bat Miriam Rivka, our half year sponsor, refuel Shlema for Menucha Tova, Bat Shoshana Chava Devora, our Spotify sponsor, refuel Shlema for all those injured in Eretz Yisrael. And of course, the Rufu Shleimah for Yitadi Chaimen of Yerufka Chaya, Bracha Bigal Basrachal Gita, Tilabatia, Bachaya Tova Shimon and Elka, and Shadokim for all those in need. We pick up with the beginning of Parag Vav, and I think it's important just to have a lay of the land. Um, the Arun started in this area by Ashkelon, Ashdod, that area, and then it moves its way to, to Gat and Ekron. In Ekron, it's going to, is where we left off last time. And we discussed that the people of the people of the the Plishti area were affected by this magefa. It wasn't really clear what it was, but it seems from the Psukim like there are some hemorrhoid eating rats or mice that are viciously attacking all of the people as they're sleeping and throughout the day. And that was really, really horrible. We discussed how um, Google suggests that perhaps. That leads to many, many diseases and whatnot. So the the people in the cities, the five cities of the Pelishtim, are not happy. And they're not interested in continuing to have the Aron in their midst. And so the question is, what's going to happen next? Where do, we, where do they move from there? There has to be some solution, but they're not there yet. There's no consensus on what to do. And so with that, we pick up with Pasuk Aleph. The Aron of Hashem is in the Plishti uh, field. It's in a field for seven months. And one possibility is that they kind of were like, we're not, no, no city is willing to commit to it. So they push it off into some field. And in the field, it's going to sit for seven months. That's one way of looking at it. The Barbanel, though, suggests a different answer. And within this answer, he also explains a little bit why this was the way, the punishment that God has chosen for them. Why do we need these rats? Why do we need these hemorrhoids? Um, what's going on with this Perek? So the Barbanel says, Everything that we discussed last week, the, the whole story of from when the Aron enters into the land of the Plishtim until it exits the land of the Plishtim is seven months. So it's not that it finally landed in Ekron and now the people are like, okay, now what? Okay, put it on pause for seven months in a field. No. It says, biadi. So it says that he'll take seven uh, sheep. Tikach miadi. Amar lo hakadosh baruch hu laAbraham. Ata natata lo shevak fasot. You gave seven of these sheep. This is in the Brit bein of Tarim with Avi. With, uh, sorry, this is in the Brit with Avi Melech. Sorry, not the Brit bein of Tarim. The Brit with Avi Melech. The covenant for peace with Avi Melech, who is the king of Grar, which is the area of the Plishtim. He says, "I gave you seven sheep." So it said the the Medrash gives us three different answers. We'll look at the last one. That the Aron 
would be would spend seven months in residence of the Plishtim as a result of these seven sheep. Okay, but we still have two questions. Why does the Aron have to hit them with such a unbelievably powerful um, uh, hit from God? Why does God hit them so hard? And second, and why is it that it's this disease? Why couldn't it be a different disease? Because the Plishtim began to think, you know why we were so successful? Do you know why we won this war? We won this war. Why? Because it's us. It's our strength. And that is the MO of the Plishtim. Think about Goliath, who we're going to meet in just a few weeks. Goliath is exactly that. It's why, why are we wasting our time? Let's take the two strongest people, Plishtinan, and let's put them head to head. That he's the, I don't know, the, the super strong Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mike Tyson. Oh, reveal a little bit of you know the era I grew up in. But those are the people. This that that's that's who they emulate. Okay. But they began to believe that this is all ours. So Ain and the Aaron is simply this tool that we got. Therefore, what? God comes and says, let's do great miracles. In order so that you will see that it is the hand of God that did all this. And it was only because of God that the Aaron was taken. And it hits the Jews as well as the Plishtim. There's another reason. God needed to come down upon them with an iron fist. Why? Because by hitting them so hard, it would end quickly. If not, if it was a little bit, and then a little bit, then a little bit, what God says is last for years. Not interested. That is the answer. The reason why God in- inflicts them with afflicts them with hemorrhoids is because they were all boastful and saying, "Ah, this is all us. We did this. We're the ones." That, that weakened the Jewish people. And that's how he took the Aaron. That when a person is inflicted, afflicted with such a disease, what happens is it's such a lowly, disgusting one. And where are you talking about? It's in such a, such a private, dirty place. He says that it's, and it's similar to women in the sense that blood is coming out. I understand not exactly from the same place, but the same thing. It's just, it's like that. You know, I don't know. There's no better way to describe it. And then they'll realize that it's not their own um, power that won. And it was God's God who allowed them to win by what? By making them all confused 
and having the Jewish people lose. And so that says the Abar Benel is the reason why God chooses that of all diseases. Now let's take a look at Pasuk Bet. Pasuk Bet is an interesting one. So the Plishtim call the Kohanim and the Kosmim, and they they say to them, what should we do to the Aron Hashem? Tell us, how should we send it to its place? Now it's interesting. They call the Kohanim and the Kosmim. It's two separate parties. We'll, we'll perhaps understand that a little bit better in, in, a, in a few minutes. But they call the Kohanim and the Kosmim, and they say to them, what should we do to the Aron? How should we send it back? So the, the important thing to realize is it, it's two separate questions. Question number one is, Hashem, keep it or return it. Do we want the Aron or not? And then the second one is, well, if we're sending it back, how should we send it back? What gifts should we send it back? Right? Bazak points out that there is two schools of thought here. And they're not really sure which one should they go by. Should we keep it or should we send it back? They're not 100%. And that's a big deal. That the first camp exists shows the stubbornness of the Plishtim. Okay, so what happens next? So they say, if you're going to send it back, Mitsuda's David points out, if we decide to go by this school of thought that says we should not keep it, but we should return it, then don't send it back empty-handed. If you do, you're going to lose out. Send it back with a present, a way of asking God for forgiveness. Pasuk Dalid. So they say, what should we send with it? The Pasuk doesn't read exactly so great, but they say, what should we do? And the answer they are told by either the Kosmim or the Kohanim or both is that there are five Sarnei Plishtim. There are five governors of the Plishti cities. And therefore, what should we do? Send five golden hemorrhoids. Not exactly sure what that looks like. And five golden rats or mice. Why? Because the Magefa was one per governor, one per city. It is worth looking at the Malbim to try to understand what is going on here. The Malbim points out very, very nicely why we have the Kohanim. And why we have the Kosmim. And he says the following. Hashem, what should we do with the Aaron? Should we hold on to it or not? Exactly what we had said on the, on the slide before. Do we carry it or do we send it on a wagon? Do we send the present or not? And that's why they called the Kohanim and the Kosmim. The first question, keep or not keep, that is a question that you have to ask 
the Kosmim, the magicians. Why? They understood things that were hidden, natural, school, uh, godly things. And they know the things that are happening to them are these divinely inspired or if they're being credited, it doesn't make a difference. Why are we holding on to the Aron? But if not, if this is a if this is divine retribution, then we should know that and we'll back off. That you need the coast name. The Kohanim know, how do you deal with God? What do you send to him? What do you give to him? How do you do that? So that's why they ask the two parties. And the parties make it very clear. Send it back. Send a gift. Make sure that the gift is golden rats and golden hemorrhoids. Pasuk, hey. So you're gonna have to make these uh these images that are representative of the action that they have done to them. This is what was going on. God did this. And you're gonna give to God kavod. It's not that God needs this, but you give it as a way of showing honor to God. And maybe God will give us a break on the land, on us, on our gods. So they ask, why should we have hard hard in our hearts like Egypt and Paro did? And ultimately what happens? God makes a joke of them. God makes a mockery of them. And then the Jews are set free. They understand that this is in a certain sense not on the level of Egypt, but it is a smaller, watered-down version of Egypt. And they say to themselves, we, we watched that movie already. We saw that play. We know how it ends. Why? Why would we put ourselves through this? What do we gain by it? Now, if you, it's, it's amazing because if you look carefully through the Psukim, what you'll note is the two stories, the story of the Plishtim and the story of the Egyptians seem to have a lot of things in common. Let's take a look. Number one, the Kosmim and the Kohanim, the priests and the magicians, this group of people that, that, that the king consults with, seems to have a similarity in both stories. The word Magefa, in Rabbi Alex Israel points out that with the Makot, we use, we use the word Magefa to say this is what's coming. It's going to be the outstretched hand of God will bring a terrible, devastating magefa plague to the Jewish people, to the Egyptians. And that's what's happening here. In both cases, we're told that when we leave, the Jews don't leave empty handed and the Aaron doesn't leave empty handed either. 
Okay, this one, I, I could already picture some people as they're listening, rolling their eyes, and the person specifically who I'm talking to knows. But five plus five, you have the five rats and the five hemorrhoids equals 10, the 10 macro. Okay, but I think there is some something going on there, even if you don't love it. Golden gifts. The Jewish people are sent out with gold and silver and all kinds of things. The Aaron is sent out with these golden gifts as well. And last is the idea of destruction. And specifically, the word that we use is hashchata, leashchit. So those are the similarities. What is going on here? So Rav Amnon Bezak says, it's, it's very clear. What God is actually saying in, in the events that are going up here is, you have the ability to have a Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim here. Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim was not pretty for the Egyptians. It worked out fine and well for the Jews, but not at all for the Egyptians. The Aron will get home safely. It always does. Why? Because it's got protected by God. And God's not going to allow it to be held hostage and held captive. Question is, what's going to happen to the Plishtim along the way? And the Kosmim and the Kohanim know that. And that's why they say this Pasuk and Pasuk Vav. They're like, are, are we crazy? Do you really want to go down that rabbit hole? You want to be like the Plishtit? You want to be just like the Egyptians? Why does it make any sense? It'd be foolish. So foolish to even attempt that. So they they say, let's back off. And so that's the recommendation of the Plishtim. The Makot will speed up the process. The Jews are going to leave Egypt, but the Makot made it happen quicker. And as God tightened the screws with each and every Maka, it only, it only makes it go a little bit quicker and a little bit quicker and a little bit quicker. It's the same thing here. The plishtim, as each maka, each magefa gets a little harder and a little harder, eventually they realize we got it, we got to give in. So you would think that they are all in. Send the Aron back. Not so clear. Because in Pasuk Zion, we see that they're going to come up with a big test. And the purpose of this big test is this is how you'll know if we should if we should return the Aron. Sometimes you create a big test and you say, listen, God, if this happens, I know that this is coming from you. So it depends. I'm going to flip a coin. If it's heads, I know this is from God. Tails, not. Okay, so that's a 50-50 chance. But if I say, listen, God, this is what I need to happen. To know that it's definitely you, I need it to be completely sunny today. But there needs to be a little bit of a cloud here, a rainstorm in the corner over there. The more I pile on, the more it becomes a difficult thing. Now, God could do it in a, in a second. But the harder you make the test, the more clear it is that you're not committed that this should actually happen. It's an interesting similarity. Eliezer creates a test for Rivka that is nearly impassable. Why? Because he probably secretly was hoping the test would fail so his own daughter could marry Yitzchak instead. Let's take a look at what this test is. 
we're going to make a new wagon. A new, brand new wagon. And two nursing cows. That have never had a yoke on them. You're going to connect. You'll, you'll harness the cows to the wagon. We're going to send the kids home to the house. You're going to put the Aron on the wagon, and then you're going to put a box with the golden vessels that were made, these figurines, put them in the box next to the Aron and send them. And we have to see, will the cows be willing to go up the way, up the hills to Beit Shemesh? And then I'll know if all of these things happen. What will I know? I'll know this is God. But if not, if any of these things fail... And the Aron doesn't get there. We'll say that this is Mikra. It's by happenstance. This is not for real. Let's start from the beginning. We're in a, a new wagon. A new wagon is not broken in. It doesn't necessarily drive just right. You're connecting it to nursing cows that have never slept a thing in their lives. It's unlikely that they're going to take this new wagon that's not broken in, and head on out. And then you're going to separate it from its children. The cows are connected to their children. They're not going to leave their kids. And you're going to burden it with the box and all that stuff. And then you're just going to send it off. So you're assuming that all of those things are going to work out. And just in case that's not hard enough, you're going to say, oh, there's two ways you can go. You can go downhill, you can go uphill. You're expecting all of these things to happen. It is super unlikely. Now, Rashi takes, and, and the Radak have a little bit of an argument. The Radak says tw- at least twice, All of these things were done to show honor to the Aron. It's new. They're choice cattle. But Rashi says, no. What's it saying? He's saying, listen, let's create the hardest test possible. If in the end, the Aaron is willing to do that, then it's the Koach of the Aaron that's bringing it home. The only way it's going to get home. Okay? That is what we're talking about. But they create a very, very hard test. The odds are very, very, very small. But let's take a look at Pasuk Yod. Pasuk Yod. Vayasu Arashim Kain. The people did this. Vayikhu shtei parot alot. They took two nursing cows. Vayasum ba'agala. And they attached it to an agalah, to a wagon, and they left the kids in the house. Take a look at the picture. It's a black and white picture of them along the way. We've got two new cows, 
never having been connected to anything at all. And yeah, they've got the yoke on and they're pulling it. It's self-driving. There's no, no Baal Agala. It's going on its own. You have the Aron right there and the Argaz, the chest behind it, or next to it, with the golden things. Interesting that now all of a sudden it actually does say the word Tchorehem. Until now, the it was writ, written as Afoleichem, but read as Tchorehem. So they, it's all there. Literally, this means that the, the uh, cows go straight along the way. They're going to be in on this one path. They go and they're going. They don't go to the right, they don't go to the left. If take a look at the picture here, this is actually fairly accurate. The governors of the Plishtim are following along. They want to see what's going to happen here. Rashi and Mari Cross say, It's this crying. Why, Mari Cross says, why would they cry? They cry because they miss their children, yet they do not change their way. Bizak says, means that they are what? They're forced. It's as though they're possessed to do it, even though they don't want to do it. But they're doing exactly. Now let's take a look at the, the first words of this Pasuk, Pasuk Yodet. Vaisharna. And they went in a straight line. But there is a possibility that uh, the Medrash wants to suggest that Vaisharna is from Sharim. They are singing. I believe it's the Gemara and Sota. The, the cows are singing along the way. And Haloch the Ga'o, Rav Yigal points out, Ga'o from Ga'o Ga'a. And I know that if you're looking at it inside, you're going to say, you know, you're trying to pull a fast one on me because Ga'o is with an ayin. And in the Shira, it's Ga'o Ga'a is with an aleph. But this is Rav Yigal's point. Rav Yigal says, what's going on in this Medrash? The cows are singing. What are they singing? They're singing Hallel. Maybe Shiraz Hayam. That's what they're singing. Rav Yigal says, B'nai Yisrael are asleep. They're asleep at the wheel. All of these things are happening, and yet they're asleep. We're going to see it. They're not really doing anything in this story. And it's the cows that are not sleeping. It's the cows that recognize that there is something happening right now that's big. Really big. Now, the picture is so perfectly depicted because you have the Sarnay Plishtim in the back, you have the cows and the Aron and the Agala in the middle, you have the city, presumably of Beit Shemesh, in the distance, and then you have those two guys on the right side. Let's take a look at Pasuk Yud Gimel. And the people of Beit Shemesh are cutting, they're harvesting their wheat by Amek in the valley. And they lift up their eyes. They see the Aron. And they're happy to see it. If you want amazing Hashkacha, just two hours ago, I was driving on the highway in Beit Shemesh, the 38. 
And I literally drove past where this whole story takes place. The 38 is a highway that connects all the way. You can take it all the way to Karme Gat. Sounds familiar? Gat. It's closer to Ashtod. You can take it all the way there. Along the way, the 38 eventually goes to the 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 the, the number one highway, which goes from Tel Aviv to Yerushalayim. Along the way, right before, if you're coming from Ramat Beit Shemesh, right before you hit Beit Shemesh, there is, uh, well, actually right after you hit Beit Shemesh, there is a, the na- road narrows. In a few years or even in a few months, the road is going to be much wider. So stay tuned for that. But there is a tell. It's the tell of ancient Beit Shemesh, which not surprisingly is actually high up on a hill. The reason is that the Jews always built their cities up on the hills because they were generally inferior militarily to everybody else. So they at least wanted the benefit of being higher up. So they're higher up, but the fields, and, and this is where it's amazing. If you go there right now, there is so many fields with so many different things growing. Uh, my family and I picked pomegranates to the left of Tel Beit Shemesh. That is really the old Beit Shemesh to there. And it's just these massive green fields that just go a long way. And they're Pe'emek, they're lower down. It's very possible that that's what's going on. So the people are out there in the fields, and what are they doing? They're they're harvesting the wheat, and they're happy to see the Aron. Says Rashi, They're looking and saying, how is this happening? It's coming by itself. And because of this, they actually did not show it the proper respect. That is Rashi. Radak actually says one step further. Because of their great joy, they jumped to open to see the Aron. They want to know what was inside it. Everybody's always curious because the Aron is always closed. What's inside there? Are the Luchot there? What is in fact in there? The people are like, whoa, we may never have a chance like this again. So they go and they lift it up. Now, what's interesting is nothing happens to them. And it arrives in the field of Yoshua of Beit Shemesh. And it stays there. And there's a big rock there. So they break, the wagon is made of wood. They break up the wagon and the parim, these cows, what do they do with them? They bring them as a korban to Hashem. So what do they do? The Levim, they take the Aron down and they put it and, this, and they take the box down and they put it on the stone that's there. And the people of Beit Shemesh bring korbanot, lots of them on that day. So this is what happens. The test was passed. The Chamisha Sarnei Plishtim watched the whole thing. But they also want to see what's going to happen. Will anything happen to the Jewish people? Meaning, is it that the Aaron is angry at everyone or is it just angry at us? But they see, wait, they got to the house of Yeshua of Beit Shemesh. And it's uneventful. Nothing happens. 
They say it was us. This is not Pamikre. We're at fault. So they turn around and they go home to Ekron. And these are the four, the five golden hemorrhoids, one per city. And it seems like they left the, the hemorrhoids and the gold and the golden rats in this area, in this by the field of Yoshua of Beit Shemesh. So the the people of Beit Shemesh, what happens? They celebrate and everybody else goes home. This is actually a great picture. That is the Tel Beit Shemesh, and those are the fields that are behind it. That's if you go toward Sora, that is what you have there. Okay. So now we're going to end with this. Pasuk Yod Tet. So what happens? This is pretty crazy. The people of Beit Shemesh are hit. God hits them like a maka because they looked at the Aron Hashem. Now, how many people are killed? 70 people and 50,000. 70 people, 50,000 people. Now, that's not a number, 70, 50,000. You can say 50,000 and 700. You can say 70 and 50,000. But you don't say 70, 50,000. It's just not a number. It's missing the, the Vav. It's really important. It's missing the Vav. Why? So that we have to understand. How, right, so what happens? By the way, when all these people die, the people are they're they're fasting and the people are mourning. Why? Because bad things have happened. They, the people of Shemesh say, "We are not going to be all told on to this This is crazy. Look what just happened. Who's going to take it from us?" Now, what is so amazing is God waits until the Sarni push them leave. He does not want the Sarnay Plishtim to know that he hurt the Jews. Now, the question is, how many people died? So let's take a look. Uh, there's no Vava Chibur. You saw, let's flip back a page. That's the city. It's not that big. The idea that 50,000 people live there. It's very hard to, to, to imagine, says the Dat Mikra. So Dr. Eli Tzor says, and what's going on? The Rishonim and Achronim wonder. Yonatan Tirgeim, Targum Yonatan says, The 70 people are the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin died and 50,000 people died. Okay. The Abar Benel says that what? That in Beit Shemesh itself, only 70 people died, which for a city the size of what we just looked at, that's a lot of people. The 50,000 that die are the people that died in the war. Okay, that's a lot of people. Remember, 34,000 people died in the 
um, the war with the Plishtim. So now more people probably die, more people probably died along the way. So when you start totaling up the numbers, it's not so crazy. So a lot of people died. And they, it's not so good. So Rivigal asks, why is this going on? Why do all these people die? So he says they made a fundament, their fundamental error was similar to the, uh, the Plishtim. They fear that the Aron, they fear the Aron at the first rejoicing with it. They need to respect the Kedusha. Treat it with fear, all the, while, all the while recognizing it has no independent powers. That's what they need to learn from all that occurred. They haven't learned a thing. The Aron was brought out to war. Why? Because the thought was it's a super weapon that's going to give us weapons of mass destruction. The Aron comes back and they're like, yeah, we got it. But they don't understand still that the Aron is not anything like that. It is all about God. Push them make that mistake. Initially, they're like, wait a second. We have to be really careful. The Aron is here. And then they say, no, be hang tough. We could do this. It's great. They realize that. But then in the end, they say, ah, oh, they say, it's, it's us. This is all us. We're the reason for this. And so that is the problem with the story, and this is the problem with what the Jewish people have done. So they send messengers to Kiryat Yarim. Kiryat Yarim, I'll quickly take you back to the first slide. I know this is a lot of flipping backwards, but here we go. It goes Gaza, Ashklon, Ashtod, Sarnashtod, God, Ekron, Beit Shemesh, and now it's making its final ascent to where? To Kiryat Yarim. It goes to Kiryat Yarim. And what happens? They say to them, Heshivu Plishim at Aron Hashem. The Plishim have given us back the Aron. That's what they say. They say to the people of Kiryat Yarim, the Aron is back. Redu Come down and get it. and Come down and take it back up with you. There's a there's a letter missing again in that Pasuk. Redu Halu. Come down from Kiryat Yarim, right? Yerushalayim is higher than Beit Shemesh. Come down, Kiryat Yarim is by Mevaseret, by Abu Ghosh. So you're still higher up. Go down, and then Halu Otolechem, go back. Why is it said separately like that? A nice idea is it's one action. They just want to get rid of the Aron. Just take it off our hands. Come quick. We cannot manage this at all. Um, please come and get it right away. That's how the parak ends. But the parak ends in a much better place. The Aron is back in Jewish hands. Yes, there was a tragedy. Yes, Jewish people died. But the Aron is back and is making its way towards Yerushalayim as it is now in Kiryat Ya'arim, which is closer to Shiloh. It's closer to Yerushalayim. It's closer to its final resting place. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Have a wonderful week and keep walking in the ways of the prophet.